You're listening to The Semi-Failed Writer. This is a show about my life experiences, my love for entertainment, and of course, my failures. Respect my authority. No, he's talking about fuck. You can't say fuck in school, you fucking fat ass. Kyle! Why the fuck not? Eric! Dude, you just said fuck again! Stanley! Ooh. Kenny! What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck, fuck, it, fuck, fuck, fuck. How would you like to go see the school counselor? How would you like to suck my balls? <laughs> what did you say? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Actually, what I said was... How would you like to suck my balls, Mr. Garrison? Holy shit, dude. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 16 of the Semi-Failed Writer. Hi, Eric. What's going on? Hey, not much. <laughs> I have an announcement to make. Uh, a few months ago, I mentioned to my audience that I submitted a screenplay to the Nickel Fellowship, very prestigious screenwriting competition. And I've been on pins and needles for a week, just waiting for the notification to come in. Did I make quarterfinals? Did I not? And so finally, Thursday in the evening, I got the email... I did not qualify. I did not get into the quarterfinals. And I don't know how close or how far I was to making the cut, but it doesn't matter. I didn't get it. So I basically did the same things that someone would do if they went through a really bad breakup. I cried for quite some time. I may or may not have had some beverages to numb the pain. I might be having one now. Who knows? Cheers, Eric. And then I also watched a couple of mind-numbing R-rated animated movies to just get my mind off of things and those two films are the subjects of our next film debate. That's all I gotta say about that. Let's just get into it. Ready? Yeah, there's plenty of dumb. Let's get to it. Okay. In the Red Corner from the year 1999, based off of the TV series of the same name, it's South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut. And in the blue corner, from the year 2016, directed by Greg Tiernan and Conrad Vernon, from the twisted mind of Seth Rogen, it's Sausage Party. Now we're going to do something a little bit different here. Usually we will argue for one side or the other in this debate, but after watching both of these films, we're just going to tell you right now South Park 1. Like, we're going to go through the process and go through each round and give a score, but full disclosure, we have seen South Park before. we never seen Sausage Party, and we thought that it was going to be a, a closer fight, but then we watched it over the weekend, and it's just garbage. We're going to tag team on this and uh, give our thoughts about both of the films, but we're basically going to warn you, don't ever watch Sausage Party. Unless you get really high, like someone recommended that we do that and, and watch it. No, no, it's just terrible. So let's just do it. Round one. Round one is story. So I will give a summary on both of those films and then we'll talk about our thoughts about who did it better. So South Park, the main story, the parents want to cancel Terrence and Philip. They feel like they're a bad influence on the kids because they use tons of profanity, very crude humor, and they go so far as to want to execute Terrence and Philip and go out on an all-out an all -out war with Canada. And so it's up to the kids to try to save their heroes, Terrence and Philip, and make sure it doesn't escalate that far. There are a couple of subplots here. 
One of them is Stan trying to get Wendy to like him over another kid. And apparently he needs to find out where the clitoris is because that's how he's going to get a girl to like him. Um, you have to watch the movie if you don't remember that. And then another... Chef's advice. Yeah, it's Chef's advice. And then another story is Kenny tries to help uh, Satan grow a pair and stand up to his lover, Saddam Hussein. <laughs> Again, you got to watch the film to remember what happens there. Now, for Sausage Party, the main story that goes along here is that you have all these grocery items in uh, a supermarket, some foods and beverages, and they believe the adults that come in, the humans, are their gods. And their expectation is that they get chosen by these gods and they get to go out of the supermarket to the great beyond. And so the main story is a sausage named Frank that decides to be on the search for the truth because there are people that are skeptical of what really is in the great beyond. So he's going out to see what happens there. Some of the subplots. You have another sausage named Barry who actually gets to go out to the great beyond and it turns out it's nothing what they think it is. It's actually very traumatizing and so he tries to get back to the supermarket to let everybody know the truth. Another substory is um, a literal douche. There is uh, one of the items is a douche that gets very upset that he doesn't, he gets robbed of the chance of going outside to the great beyond. And so he's going to retaliate and take revenge on those other characters for depriving him of that opportunity. So Eric, can you tell us your thoughts about these stories for both these movies? Yeah, I was actually a little bit surprised because I remember... I remembered the South Park movie fondly, but in watching it again, I, I just remember it's it's certain moments that are what stand out. I don't think that South Park has the most amazing story, but what it does have, like a there is a commentary going on within the story where it's talking about censorship and uh, things that we tolerate in in society while we limit exposure to some things that could be equally or even less harmful. And so while it's not really as I might have thought, on the level of some of the better episodes of the, the TV show itself, it does have kind of a, a, a story that, that's relatable, that you can kind of understand what, what they're basing all of their crazy humor around uh, with it. Whereas Sausage Party, when you think about like an argument for its story, the whole movie is just based around the idea of that same sort of crude humor, sex jokes and references and things like that. And I'm not saying it's not funny because occasionally I, you know, I, I was laughing at some of the things that they did, but I didn't really find that Sausage Party had a lot of depth. Like you, you explained what was there in the story, but I'm just not sure that, that it has anything so worthwhile it's really tough to make an argument for the story being good in that movie so i think south park takes this one even though i kind of surprisingly was a little bit underwhelmed when i was watching this one again even though it had its stronger moments yeah with south park and sausage party there actually was commentary in both of those films so you're dealing with censorship in south park there was sort of a commentary on religion because you have these different produce items from different cultures and they have their way of paying tribute to their god. And it was difficult for them to come into agreement on how they wanted to resolve this issue at the end. But all of that gets masked by all the crude humor, by all the innuendo and the other antics that go on in Sausage Party. So it gets buried under all these other things that are more outrageous. 
Now I will say with Sausage Party, with all these stories, there was clear direction and, and I like the way that they went with all the different stories that happened. There was an arc, there was um, a happy resolution, and everything just kind of converged at near the very end of this film. But, you know, both of these movies clock in under 90 minutes. They're both under an hour and a half. And I felt like it was a slog. It was so slow trying to get to the end of Sausage Party. It, I was thinking it was going to go on faster than than it really was. And so because it couldn't keep my attention for as long as South Park did, then there are some points you take off of them. But yes. So I think, I think South Park takes that point. Yeah, see, we weren't lying to you. South Park is making their case. Yeah, again, not on the level of some of the best of the, the TV show. Like it's you you kind of remember, I remembered it being more toward that than it than it was but still you know better than sausage party all right round two round two is dialogue now i don't have much here as far as my notes go but both of these movies they are r-rated so they definitely take advantage of that rating and they use a lot of profanity now they both use it in in different ways to get their point across but a lot of f-bombs a lot of insults and you know these are things you'd never want to call your parents or have you don't want to utter these words <laughs> to anybody you care about i i think that the the dialogue is similar to how i you know made comparisons earlier where the story in, in south park had like more of a, a depth to it in the way that it was executed i feel like you're right. Both movies are using a lot of profanity and a lot of, you know, vulgar jokes and things like that. But it's executed with better purpose in the South Park movie, where I think that you've got a lot of cheap laughs that that come out of what the dialogue in in Sausage Party has, whereas it's tied more to the underlying narrative in in the movie. And that's why I think that the dialogue in the South Park movie is more effective um, overall. And to be honest with you, and I know I've only just watched it once, I had a hard time thinking about this one to even come up with a line from Sausage Party that I thought was mm -hmm. so fantastic or that, you know, when you think about the quotability of a movie and, you know, to be honest with South Park, a lot of the quotability is from the songs, but still, I just, I couldn't come up with any real merit <laughs> other than just let's make a crude joke that, you know, has its time and a place, but it's not really better dialogue. The best way I could describe the dialogue for Sausage Party, it's kind of one note. Because there's a lot of different moments that go on. There's conflict with the characters. There's uh, admiration for each other. There's... A lot of different things that go on as far as the relationships that these characters have with each other. But they use the same language throughout all of it. Whether they hate each other or love each other, it's always the same type of profanity. And almost to a degree where they all like sound like the same person. I think the only thing that kind of differentiates the characters is the accents that they use but they all speak the same language and um doesn't help as far as making something a little bit more dynamic i can't think of a better word than that but it doesn't make it unique it's just everybody is on this one level of profanity and we all accept it so there you go round two goes to south park round three 
Round three is characters. So I will first talk about the protagonist and antagonist for both of these films, and then we're going to talk about who are the better characters for these. Now, like I said before, South Park is based on the TV series, so you've got characters that you're already familiar with, but there is a clear distinction between who the heroes and the villains are. The heroes are obviously the kids. They are very concerned with their personal heroes. Terrence and Philip, despite how vulgar they are, and despite them being from Canada, they really like them, and they know that things are going to get way out of hand if they allow their influence and everything to be censored. So they go on a quest to try to, to bail them out. Now, the villains, and I forgot this when I first watched the film, Sheila Bravlosky, who is Kyle's mom, is the number one villain in this film. She is the social justice warrior before that became a thing and goes on this crusade to try to remove their vulgarity. She's concerned, but she's going at it at the wrong direction. And then, of course, another one of the villains is Saddam Hussein, which I always found very funny because he's in a relationship with Satan, and Satan is the ultimate evil. He is the leader of all evil and should be the most feared and uh, hated creature thing, whatever. And Saddam Hussein is worse than that. And I always found that very entertaining. <laughs> now for Sausage Party, the heroes are the sausages. You have Frank who is out to seek the truth. And then you've got Barry who actually sees what happens with the great beyond. What we refer to as cooking is actually these food and drink products getting mutilated, tortured, they die. And so they are very proactive in trying to uh, let the others know that there's something else going on here. And the villains are the humans who they believe are the gods. And then you also have the douche, as I mentioned before, who is um, on a rampage to try to get back for being deprived of going to the great beyond. It's with with South Park, uh, it's it's hard to like, completely separate the idea of the tv show and the movie if if you're a fan which which i am and so of course as a fan of south park and you know the characters and love all the characters but i i, I think that even even if you could eliminate the show if you just watch the movie you can see the that there's kind of a depth to the relationships that these characters have with each other that there's like some nuance in some ways in the ways that they interact with each other so you and you also brought up some funny stuff with the villains how you have how Saddam Hussein is somehow manipulating Satan and, and and then you have the the poor kid of the group Kenny who's trying to to actually convince Satan to stand up for himself and that ends up being like a salvaging moment for the world or in in the end because he's willing to sacrifice himself and uh and so the, the characters there's just a lot of humor that comes out of the way that they go back and forth with each other that i think is lacking in in sausage party even though in sausage party you have these kind of defined roles that they have and they're funny in making jokes with each other but I just found in Sausage Party that everything was a, a stereotype or a sexual reference. And I think that it, the only purpose was to be there for, for a joke. And so I definitely give the edge to South Park where the, the characters like reflect things that you've seen in people in real life. It's more relatable and entertaining in, in that respect, I think. We underestimate how intelligent children can be. 
where they have a better understanding of the world and what we should really be focused on more than the parents. And if we just listen to them more often, um, we can learn something from them. Like this is our future and these kids have a better idea of what's going to be better for us in the long run. So South Park illustrates that clearly. I have the same issues with Sausage Party. You mentioned the stereotypes and they do have to differentiate these characters because a lot of them are different cuisines from different parts of the world. You've got the bagel that's Jewish. I took great issue with the tequila bottle, who is a drunk Mexican. I took great offense to that. The taco and, is the sexy Latina. <laughs> yes, another trope that I can't stand. And I just get tired of seeing those kinds of stereotypes get played out. There could have been better ways, like they did with the accents of, of differentiating these these characters, but they could have done a lot more than that. Another issue that I took is that it did make sense to me. You have food and you have drink that all try to uh, please the gods and want to go to the great beyond. They have feelings. They have personalities. But you have a douche that is neither a food nor a drink but has those same feelings and desires. And then you have a toilet paper roll that's the same way, but there's no other inanimate objects that have a personality. Why is it that these two items are an exception to the rule? It There's just some broken logic yeah, there. Yeah, the, the consumables, I guess, is the way that you could, could kind of frame that, but I get what you're saying. Because most of the focus was just on the food yeah. and the drink, yeah. and they experience most of the torture from the gods if they go to the great beyond. So, definitely more depth with the kids. Alright, round four. Round four is cast and crew. The only thing that I have in my notes for cast and crew are the voice actors that are in both of the movies. So, with South Park, you have the same core actors that voice most of the characters in the TV show. So, it's Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators. You also got Isaac Hayes. And Mary Kay Bergman. You have cameos from George Clooney, Brent Spiner, who plays Conan O'Brien, uh, Minnie Driver, who plays Brooke Shields, and Mike Judge, who plays Kenny at the very, very end of the film. So they all make cameos. That's pretty cool that they decided to jump in on this. Now, let me give you the list of actors that are featured in Sausage Party. They all have pretty sizable roles in this. And this is in alphabetical order. Michael Sarah, James Franco... Bill Hader, Salma Hayek, Jonah Hill, Nick Kroll, Danny McBride, Edward Norton, Craig Robinson, Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, Kristen Wiig, and Harlan Williams. There's a clear difference between these two films. I think so, yeah. You you definitely, when you, when you think South Park, and it's no different for the movie than the show, it's Trey and Matt, and, you know, the couple of normal, like, regular voices who who are in there. And then, then yeah, the, the, the cameos are almost... They don't, they're, they're not even that outstanding, you know, you, you maybe recognize Clooney's voice. How would you even know that it was Brent Spiner? I really don't know. I feel like uh, I have to, you know, make my, it's, it, you already stole it from me by mentioning him first, but because I'm usually the one who makes the Star Trek, the next generation reference, but, Sorry uh, about but that. yeah, there's, there's really no way that, that you, you would know that it was them. So it's almost like wasted in a way, I guess, like for, for Brent Spiner, especially Clooney, you could probably recognize the voice, like I said, whereas the list of names for, for Sausage Party is actually pretty impressive because you've got you've got two actors who have been 
given accolades for stuff outside of comedy, even in Ed, Edward Norton and Selma Hayek. Uh, and then you've got like a who's who of, of comedic actors from the last decade plus, you know, they seem to show up in a lot of things together, but, it, and they all have roles where there there's more space for them to kind of do their thing with it, I guess, even, even if the overall movie is a little bit limited in some ways. But but I think that that just from that the cast is it's pretty impressive for Sausage Party maybe the the best category for it in this format probably and I mean it's not just all these actors are just playing themselves and voicing a role some of them are really good yeah. at normal voice acting the people I'm looking at in particular are Bill Hader and Nick Kroll who've done some incredible stuff yeah. with some voice acting. So it's not just let's invite our friends and, and have just them be do... themselves and whatever. Yeah, whatever. pretty much. Although I do feel like a couple of them, I, I don't know how they got involved in this particular project. Either they figured it's an easy job, easy paycheck or Seth Rogen decided to cash in on a favor. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it, it worked out. And so to be able to have all those names attached to this film, that gets them their first point in this debate. Okay, so Sausage Party got one. Yes, yeah, so the score's what, 3-1 now? Yeah. Okay, round five. <laughs> round five is music. Now, South Park is a low-key musical. I didn't realize this when I watched it again. And... I got to tell you, I hate musicals. It's one of my least favorite genres. But I got to tell you, after watching this, South Park might be my second favorite musical of all time. But that's still not saying much. That's a very low bar there. <laughs> but there's a lot of original songs that they do throughout this whole movie. And it's uh, thanks to Trey Parker and a gentleman named Mark Shaman. Do you want to talk about some of those songs? Well, yeah, I have my favorites because I think that, that Blame Canada and Kyle's Mom is a Bitch are among, like, and, and, and again, remember that I'm a pretty big fan of the show itself. And they, this, this, they have a history of doing these hilarious musical numbers. It's not like it's in every episode, but, but they've done a lot of them that are pretty funny with just the song and dance routine for, for the show. And I think that Blame Canada and Kyle's Mom's a Bitch fit right in among the best of those. Those stand out. Uh, they're better than anything that's in Sausage Party as far as whatever the music that's used in, <laughs> in that one, although that one's not like a musical in the same way. And I think that the South Park movie, you bring up the, the idea of musicals, and it's not really my favorite either, but the ones that I've enjoyed have always been able to do something that makes me forget that it's just a musical. And I, I do think that the South Park movie did that uh, for me, you, you know, the Sausage Party had some, you know, old songs to make reference to with what situations and, you know, they're very well known. I, I think you're going to bring them up in a minute. I'll let you do that. But I just don't I don't think this one's really that close. I think that the, the music is far superior in, in the South Park movie. So some of the songs that they do feature in Sausage Party, you've got uh, Meatloaf's I Do Anything for Love. I'm sure we're all familiar with that one heard it many times hungry eyes wake me up before you go go and joy to the world those are just a few of the songs that are featured in this film to support whatever is going on in the film they do have one original song and that is the 
it's a song called The Great Beyond and it's every day these characters in the morning will sing this song as their way of pleasing the gods so that they can get chosen and get out of the supermarket. But it, it doesn't contribute much to the film. It's just, okay, cool, I know that song, but the way that it's been used, it's fine. In case anybody forgot this, Blame Canada was nominated for an Oscar, <laughs> Academy Award for Best Original Song, and unfortunately lost to Phil Collins for You'll Be In My Heart. If any of you are Tarzan fans, that's the song that won for some reason. Anyway, it got some some high accolades. Like the Academy recognized Blame Canada is a great song. Uh, <laughs> one of my other favorite songs from South Park is the one that Satan sings. It's called Up There. And he's talking about how he dreams to go up into Earth to take over the world. But the range that I, I can't remember if it's Trey Parker or Matt Stone that voices Satan, but one of those two, they sing this ballad, how they long to be up on Earth, but then it ends with this incredible falsetto, <laughs> and it totally caught me by surprise, but I was like, damn, that's some good range. Like, the way that they, they present all these songs, it's not just about being funny, they have... Um, it's executed well, too. Executed well. And it, it fits along with any of those other musicals that other people love the fact that they're able to create all this music this original music for this movie that's pretty incredible that they could do that on top of an original story yeah that also you know when we were we were talking before and talked about how they're they're almost well they were intended to to be similar in some ways to some of the classic songs from musicals so they're also kind of poking fun of the idea of a musical with that which which i think is executed well and then and then there's like the culminating moments in the south park movie where you've got like that musical cliche of having all the different songs from earlier in the musical that are being sung at once and and it's so ridiculous i think it includes that up there and then blame Canada and a few others. Yeah. And so that's, that's pretty funny. And so we got another point for South Park here, I think. Yes, indeed. Let's go to round six. (laughs) Round six is production. I had a hard time putting notes in this because I'm not too familiar with the technology that's being used for animation, but I'll try to summarize it in South Park at the time. I mean, both of these films use 3D animation, but South Park, they use a software called Power Animator, and it's from a company from, at the time, it was called Alias Wavefront. If anybody's more familiar with that, you can educate me on how superior that technology is. Um, but if you're familiar with the TV show, they use this stop motion animation with their cutouts and everything, but the way that they were able to use this technology, it made the process of animating this whole movie much faster than than the traditional way they had been doing it before. Now, with Sausage Party, the director, Greg Tiernan, he owned an animation company called Nitrogen Studios. And so that company did the animation for Sausage Party. And I do have to say, the way that they animated and designed all these different characters with their expressions and the way that they are presented, it, it was actually very cool and creative. And, and I thought that was one of the best parts of it, the way that they were able to just design these these characters and make them anthropomorphic. Did you have anything else to... I, I think with this, this was a tough one for me too, thinking about the, the argument that you would make for each one, because what it kind of comes down to in some ways is, you know, at face value... 
I would want to say that Sausage Party is more technologically impressive just because you're looking at a style of animation that would make you think that. Um, but when I think about South Park, the, the look and feel is so important to what the show is. Like it's referenced as it's part of the joke a lot of times that it looks like it's not the most amazingly put together animation, but all the work that would have to go into that is actually still pretty impressive to make it look and feel like a South Park episode, essentially, for the hour and a half. And what they do for the show itself is is the same way. I think that there's a lot more that, that went into that than maybe what you would think of with this sort of terribly animated show that it looks like on its on its surface. So so this this was a tougher one for me to make the call. Which one which one do you think pulls this one out? I think when we originally were discussing this, we were going to give a point to Sausage Party because you're dealing with technology from 2015 versus 1999. And so everything evolved so much at that point. But there was uh, a couple of new news articles that came out after the release of Sausage Party where Nitrogen Studios was dealing with some controversy. There were a lot of employees that came out of that company who complained that they were forced to work overtime without getting overtime pay. And there were threats of retaliation, getting blacklisted from any other gigs if they decided to come forward and complain about it. And because of that, I say to them, screw you guys, I'm going with South Park. I'm going home. I'm going home and I'm going... <laughs> And to give the vote to South Park. Okay, yeah, 5-1. I mean, I already told you guys, they've already scored 5-1. to one. Yeah, we knew it was a blowout from the beginning. But <laughs> we're going to go on with round 7. <laughs> round 7 is Legacy. Now, with South Park, I mean, you might have not remember this, but South Park as the TV series only existed for two to three seasons before the movie came out. It was very much in its infancy when the movie came out. And now it's been on for almost two decades, over two decades. So you have that going for it. But the other thing too is that you didn't have the shackles. You didn't have all the restrictions that you would have when you're on a TV network. And so when they decided to do this movie, they were able to do a lot more to be more offensive, to use more colorful language, do as much as they could get away with, with being a motion picture. But because this movie was so successful, they actually had an opportunity to do more projects like that. So there's the classic Team America World Police, which I think is hilarious. I might have to rewatch it and see if it's just as funny now. Who knows? But they were able to do that. And then with South Park, they did two major video games, The Stick of Truth and The Fractured Butthole. I have to be careful how I say that. <laughs> the, it was the same type of thing where they were able to expand on on some of the storylines and, and push the boundaries as far as they could where they couldn't do it in the TV show. Legacy on, in this one, for me, the argument is hard to make. For Sausage Party, I, I think that while, you know, you laugh sometimes at some of the crude humor, it's, it is funny in moments, but overall, I feel like it's just mostly forgettable. Like, I laughed, but I'm not really going to remember it. And while you brought up the, you know, Seth Rogen and why people were deciding to to maybe do the, the movie and, and you think about it, where he can kind of do 
whatever he wants at this point. He's got that kind of leverage because he's, you know, the level of star that he's become and creative mind and done a lot of really funny stuff. Maybe someday he would <laughs> do something else within the Sausage Party universe. Who knows? But I don't really feel like it has that kind of cultural impact. And I said earlier also that with South Park, it's hard to separate the show and the movie. I just feel like if you liked the show, you probably watched and enjoyed the movie. If you never had seen the show and you saw the movie and thought it was cool, you probably watched some of the episodes as well. And I I just think that it's so much more impactful culturally. I feel like if you took a screenshot from the South Park movie, it would be instantly recognizable. Everybody would know that that's South Park. With Sausage Party, take a screenshot from that movie and unless you're just one of the diehards that rides with Sausage Party, <laughs> I don't think that you're going to really have that be as impactful an image. And so I just think in that way that the legacy of South Park, even though I know that I'm cheating a little bit by connecting the show with the movie, since this is just supposed to be the movie, it's still it's still much stronger. I agree with that. If there's anything... I feel like there is going to be sort of a legacy that comes out of Sausage Party. Like you said, with Seth Rogen, people are going to trust what he does and they are going to give him the green light to do whatever project he wants because he has come out with so many successful films. This film in particular made more in the box office than South Park. It broke the record for animated comedy with that rating. And I don't know if it counted for uh, inflation, but still it matched up with South Park in that respect. Now something that I'm hoping that I see in the future, they were able to show that an R-rated animated film was successful. I hope there are more of those out there because I feel like there's a demand in the TV realm. There are a lot of cartoons out there that have been incredibly successful that have been tailored to adults. So you have anything that comes out of Adult Swim, you've got Big Mouth, Bojack Horseman, Family Guy, South Park as well. But if you put that into a movie theater, I think there are going to be people that will go and check it out. Yeah. And whatever they need to do, if they just want to see something mindless, if uh, whatever whatever it is that they want out of it, I feel like they're going to find some entertainment out of the movie because you, again, lift all those restrictions and you can go crazy with whatever you want to do. Yeah, like, there's got to be some some really good ideas that are out there to to do an R-rated animated comedy. Uh you you hope that it that it could happen, I guess. And and so even though Sausage Party <laughs> were were really kind of like we were a little bit disappointed by <laughs> by our our watch and um but still the idea that it was successful as what it was would make us hope that for some of the other things that we enjoy that are that that could do that same type of thing, you know, there's a possibility of that being turned into a feature at some point, which would be kind of cool. You know, mm-hmm. Bojack Horseman would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the point goes to South Park. That is it. Six one, huh? South Park is the winner. I told you guys. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention earlier. This is just a parting shot about Sausage Party because I did not like this movie when i finished watching it it really ticked me off because i really questioned the intelligence of the industry because there's so many of us that have original ideas 
I know there's people that want to see really interesting, unique stories come out, yet studio executives want to put in millions of dollars to do a lot of reboots, remake films that don't need to be remade. And in this particular case, they want to funnel millions of dollars to have people animate an entire food orgy. And that was the worst thing I'd, ha- I'd ever seen. <laughs> uh, you you can and see that. It was just terrible. So, I mean, good on Seth Rogen and crew to be able to make that money. But I got to recalibrate what I want to write in the future. Because I guess what I'm writing is not going to see the light of day. <laughs> I, I have one more one more thought. We were we were talking earlier, and and you bringing up the the food orgy at the end of the movie. Uh, we were talking about how, uh, and especially because we just had a discussion about future R rated animation, and and so we were talking about how with Sausage Party that initially with whatever cut they had that they weren't going to give it the R rating that it was going to be right NC seventeen yes, <laughs> and so. The, the thing that was so objectionable that they had to change in order to get the R rating had to do with the nutsack on the... <laughs> yeah, it was like there was a flatbread that had pubic they didn't, hair. Yeah, they didn't like that it had pubic hair. <laughs> and so as long as they removed that, like the nutsack was okay, just no hair. <laughs> yeah, but uh, violence is okay. Murder... <laughs> Which, again, yeah. that's what the South Park movie was a commentary about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very critical of the MPAA, and I'm on their side. It's that's a whole different conversation, but what are you going to do? All right, everybody, you could reach me at semifieldwriter at gmail.com. I have a website, semifieldwriter.com. I'm on Twitch and on Instagram at semifieldwriter. I'm going to keep drinking this wine and forget all of my problems, and um, wherever you're at, I hope... Things are good. Hope things are good. Hope things are great. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you in episode 17, which will be coming at you in a couple of weeks. Until then, take care of yourselves.